Tonight's reading is from Acts 1, 4 through 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Good evening. My name is Josh Hebman. I am the executive pastor at Grace. And I want to let you know before we get started that there will, no, uh, there will not be a Christmas Eve service in this building. So if you would like to join us uh, for the Christmas Eve service at Grace, we encourage you to come to North Liberty. And we'll have services at 1 and 3 p.m. And also between those two services, we'll be serving um, coffee and hot cocoa. You're welcome to join us for that. And then also on, I'm going to have to turn this on too, aren't I? Every time. Okay, there we go. Um, Also on the 26th, there will be no service here, but in North Liberty, if you'd like to join us, uh, we will be there at 8 and 9.30. And uh, I believe Jason is preaching that day, or at least I'm planning on him preaching, so you can come and hear somebody preach, probably Jason, um, for the uh, the 8 or 9.30 service on the 26th. Uh, This evening, we are going to continue in our Advent series which is uh, entitled God Within Us, Encountering the Holy Spirit. If you were here last week, you got to hear uh, Brooks on tape, which I'm sure was a very exciting experience, one that he doesn't even enjoy himself. But thank you for bearing with us. We had a uh, less than ideal scenario last week, but we appreciate you guys being patient with us uh, live and in person this week. So we're carrying forward. Um, And we're going to talk about the promise that is offered in the New Testament and in the Old today, uh, tonight, about what, what Jesus says here in Matthew uh, 123. Um, he is quoting Isaiah, right? Um, I'm sorry, Matthew is quoting Isaiah about Jesus. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, uh, which means God with us. So that is part of the promise. Um, but this is also part of the promise, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God with us, part of the promise. God with us always, more of the promise. And there's still more that we need to talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the promise. And here's where this fits in. Um, Last week, Brooks gave the introduction. Uh, This week, we want to talk about the promise and specifically what does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit. And um, something Brooks, uh, he shared a Dallas Willard quote last week, which I'll share again, um, which is Dallas Willard uh, helping us to understand the full significance of what Jesus is saying at the end of Matthew there. He says, uh, all authority has been given to him, but he specifically goes on to say, therefore, as you go, make disciples of all people, immersing them in the presence of the Trinity. And so when we say baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're not just talking about the one time when you're um, dunked in water. We're talking about your ongoing experience 
with God as a person because the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it, it's a him. And so we want to know what it means to have a relationship with that person, not just to have knowledge about God, but to have relationship with God. And so uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be immersed in the Spirit tonight. And then in the coming two weeks, uh, what the command to be filled with the Spirit looks like and the journey of being led by the Spirit looks like. So that's where we're going. But just tonight, uh, let's talk about these things. Um, number one, what the promise is. Number two, what the fulfillment of that promise is. And then uh, the effect and experience that we have with that promise. So we will, we will head in that direction. If you will, let's pray and we'll get going. God, I praise you for giving us this, your word, um, about yourself and about us and how we can connect with you and be in relationship with you through your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand this, Lord, because it can be difficult at times because we are, we are body. Uh, we, we understand the world through our body and we don't understand sometimes uh, where the Spirit comes from and where it goes. And you said this is the way it is with the Spirit. So we know that that's the right experience, but it's confusing to us, so we pray that you would give us clarity from yourself. Uh, help us to understand what we cannot by ourselves. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Context for us tonight. Uh, maybe you have heard history described in this way. The Bible can be understood in this way. We have uh, the creation and the fall and redemption. And we're going to also talk about restoration and we're going to talk about consummation too, but we'll get there later. But right now, for the beginning, I just want to set the context. There was a time in which God made man and woman to be in perfect relationship with him, and that is the creation. And if you read the Genesis account, the Bible describes the creation event as being full of and participated in by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters at creation. God breathes his Spirit into Adam and Eve, and so the Holy Spirit is present there. God is present there with Adam and Eve, and they're together, and they're in right relationship with each other and with him, and that's how he designed it to be. So that is what we should expect. That's the context for our world. We should expect to be in right relationship with God, but we're not. And you all know this because we live in the fall, right? We live in the perpetual ongoing sort of destruction that has come about because we've chosen not to be with God and not to have that relationship. He said, you can be with me, you can have paradise with me, you can have relationship with me, or you can choose yourself, and we chose ourselves. Because we're good toddlers, right? And what good toddler doesn't choose their stomach or their eyes or whatever sticky thing is on the floor to put in their mouth, right? That's, that was our approach. God said, you can have me or you can have this thing on the ground. And we said, yes, that thing on the ground. That's what we want, Lord. Thank you. That's wonderful. And we live with the consequences, right? That's the fall. That's where we are now. And the, the redemption that he offers is important and it is essential if we want to be in relationship with, the, with him again. But that's not the end. So this is just the context. If you look at scripture this way, you can look at the ways in which uh, the book, right, is built on this structure. The beginning, obviously, is the creation, and then most of it is the fall, right? But also we see God's redemptive story throughout. So that's the context uh, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. He wants it to be with us. Like the promise of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to have that relationship with him. Here's what it looks like in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, turn here. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 uh, 25 through 27. Um, because in the Old Testament, uh, we see that there is a version of the promise, 
but it's not the version that we know today. We know something different after the coming of Jesus. So let's look at what uh, the Old Testament, how the Old Testament treats the Holy Spirit, because that's going to help us understand why Jesus comes the way he does. In Ezekiel 26, or I'm sorry, 36, 25 through 27, uh, the word says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you, God's Holy Spirit, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So that's the promise that God gives in the Old Testament in Ezekiel. And the reason he gives that promise that way is because at that point in human history, mankind didn't know what it meant to live like, uh, like they should with God. They didn't know what it meant to live in right relationship with God. Their experience with the Holy Spirit was scattered. You have men and um, women in the Old Testament who experience God's Holy Spirit, his presence, but it's fleeting. It's here and it's gone. Abraham um, experiences God in person and experiences God's presence, and then it's gone. And then Moses does, and the people of Israel do, and then it's gone. And David and Saul and others throughout the history of the Bible, we see this uh, again and again where God's Spirit comes and then it leaves. And what God says here in Ezekiel is, this is just for now. But what's coming is a time when I will dwell within you because I want that relationship that we used to have. That relationship that we had in, in, in the garden, that's what I want for us. And so that's what I'm promising to you, that I will do this thing. I will take out your heart of stone, that thing that you chose for yourself, and I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. So that's what his promise is in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it looks a couple of different ways. Um, let's turn here to John chapter 3. If you have John chapter 3, uh, or your, your Bible, turn to John chapter 3. And we're going to read what Jesus says at the beginning of his ministry here. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 11. Um, I'm sorry, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. Um, and I'm quoting John, but it's actually Matthew 3.11. I'm sorry, I apologize. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this is John the Baptist in Matthew. I'll get this right eventually. John the Baptist in Matthew saying of Jesus, he is one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So in Ezekiel, God says, here's what it looks like. I take your, your heart of stone out of you. I give you a heart of flesh. I give you the desire to obey my commandments. And here's how John the Baptist describes that same work by Jesus. He says, it's a baptism that comes with the Holy Spirit and fire, a immersing, a getting to know the Trinity in a new way again. He says it here. Jesus says it now in John. This is why I'm so confused. It's Matthew and then it's John. It's like all these authors... In one big book, in John chapter 7, uh, we'll read verses 37 through 39 here. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the promise as well because it hasn't yet been fulfilled. That promise from Ezekiel that John the Baptist alludes to, now Jesus is describing, it's coming still. And we have it now, 
but maybe we haven't experienced it yet. So we'll get to that in a second. But here's what Jesus says about it. He says, if you, if you want to be satisfied of your thirst, come to me and drink. If you want to have that thirst that you have for life and for knowledge and for holiness, if you want that thirst quenched, come to me and drink because I can give that to you. And he says this in a couple of different places in the book of John. He says this to the woman at the well too, that he can give her living water, right? That will, that will quench her thirst forever. And here he says it again. And um, we get it again in Revelation that we can come and drink for free. We don't have to do anything. We just have to repent and believe and we can have our needs satisfied. So this is the promise as Jesus gives it here before the cross. And then he gives it again. And here's our, our verse for this evening in Acts. So one more time, we'll turn uh, to Acts here. And this is Jesus speaking right before his ascension while staying with the disciples, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is, once again, Jesus talking about the promise and its coming. So this is the promise that Scripture gives us, that we can once again have the relationship with God that we had previous to the fall. That's a great promise. That's a better promise than any other promise that you're going to find anywhere else. That you can have the relationship with your creator that you were designed to have. And so here's Jesus setting his disciples up for that. He says, it's coming because I've died, because I've been born again. You also can be born again. You can have new life in me and with power. And here's what it's going to look like. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. For some people, that's a really exciting verse. Some people read that verse in Acts and they're like, yes, that should happen every Sunday. I come to church. I want to see little things like tongues of fire floating down and landing on my head. That's the way it should be. And other people are like, why can't we just take Acts out of the Bible? That's really uncomfortable. I don't feel good about that. The Holy Spirit sounds like a kind of a scary guy. Let's leave him over here. Right? And there's probably any number of positions in between those. But there's, there's some pretty strong feelings about this because this, for some people, feels like, this, this sounds like the way church should be. Why don't we have this today? And the, the answer is, we do, and we don't lay hold of it. What, what's going on here? The, the apostles, the disciples, are receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time, and God is giving them a gift of the Holy Spirit to show everybody around them why uh, they're there and what his purpose for them is. So it's a very specific it's a very specific gift of speaking in other languages so that people around them, and the Bible tells us here in Acts, about 3,000 people, right, hear this message in their own language because they've traveled from all over to Jerusalem and they're converted. They're convicted. They want to believe in Jesus because he has done this thing through the power of his Holy Spirit. So it's not that we can't have this power from God today, but this specific gift is given to these disciples for that moment so that they can preach the word because Jesus wants to build his church and he wants to do it through that promise of being close, of being connected with uh, believers. So it's not just that, uh, that one moment, right? It goes on. 
Um, this is Peter describing what's going on. He says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel in the last days it shall be. Uh, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Again, we can have this now if we're willing to submit to the Holy Spirit. Because this is what God wants for us. Right relationship with him where we do the will of the Father. This is what he's talking about. This reads like something miraculous because we're resistant to the will of the Father. We don't want to do the will of the Father. But this is his will, that we would do his work, that we would proclaim his truth. And Peter says, you shouldn't think this is a strange thing because this is the fulfillment of the promise. God has been promising this since, in fact, Genesis chapter 3. If you go back and you read Genesis chapter 3, it's the account of the fall. And right there when Jesus is telling Adam and Eve how there will be consequences for their sin, he's also telling them how there will be hope because he will crush the serpent's head and there will be restoration. And so that promise has been all throughout the Old Testament, all through the time of the fall into now. And here is the fulfillment and we can lay claim to this. This can be a part of our life, but we have to submit. We have to be willing to listen to the Lord. Because here's the effect, right? Here's what happens. If we want this, we need to be willing to submit because here's what can happen. Um, the, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. This is Acts 2, 42 through 47. To the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Don't mishear that. That doesn't mean they were all communists, Right? It means that they had all things in common. It means that they understood that the value of their things was to serve one another. That the value of the gifts that they'd been given was to encourage and to uplift the church because they had work to do. Because they were in right relationship with God, they knew that his will needed to be done and not theirs. And so they said, this property that I have, this food that I have, this place that I live, we need to give this to the church right now because God's will needs to be done and not ours. So they're selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, day by day, they're adding to the temple, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's what right relationship with God looks like. And that's what we should strive for, not because those are specific signs, and if we do those specific things, then we will have right relationship with God, but because that's the kind of fruit that God wants to give us from right relationship. So it's not like these things are the goal in and of themselves. The goal is always God. The goal is always to be in right relationship with him. But this is what he wants to do with his people and through his people. When he says he'll do greater things, when Jesus says to his disciples, you'll do greater things, these are some of those greater things. Jesus did not, in fact, do this while he was on earth, but he empowered his disciples to do this through his Holy Spirit. So here's where we run into a conflict, right? Uh, A.W. Tozer um, says, I don't believe in a repetition of Pentecost. And he says that because there are some people who do. There are some people who view that, that time in Acts that I just read about, that we just talked about and I just described, they view that as the standard and they think baptized with the Holy Spirit necessarily means that uh, you have a prayer time in a church service or in a tent meeting and the Holy Spirit rushes in and everybody gets their little tongue of fire and then you run out and you hold everything in common, you sell your possessions and that's how it has to happen if you're going to have the Holy Spirit. And A.W. Tozer says that would be a repetition of Pentecost 
right? A repeating. That's not right. He says, I do believe in a perpetuation of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and he stayed and he's with us and we can have him in our hearts and lives if we submit, if we repent and believe that Jesus is who he says he is and does what he says he does. So that's different, right? A perpetuation is ongoing. The Spirit never left. He didn't go away. We don't have to have the right kind of church service to bring him back. But he does want us to be submitting to him constantly so that he can have power in our lives because we're the only ones who are keeping him from that, right? Jesus says uh, when, when disciples uh, come to him and says, why can't we do this? Uh, why can't we perform these miracles? And he says, it's a lack of belief here. And so we need to say, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief because we're getting in the way of what you want to do. So it's a perpetuation, not a repetition. Um, in Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you. This is the submission I was talking about. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. So that includes all of the people that are listening to Peter, and that includes all of the generations between here and there. Right? Uh, Bo was talking about songs that we've sung since the 3rd and 4th century. All of those people, that whole time, the Holy Spirit is for them. And unlike in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit would come and empower individuals for certain things, God says, no, I am trying to work you back toward that situation where, where we're in constant right relationship with each other. So my Holy Spirit is here now and can indwell you now. And you can have this in an ongoing way. You and your children and your children's children. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 says it this way. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is the scripture teaching us that it is the same Holy Spirit that brings us all in. And the Holy Spirit has been here since the Son sent the Spirit, right? The Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, and now we have the Spirit in us if we would repent and believe and receive him. And it's now, and it's ongoing, and we can have it. So why don't we have it? Um, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 says this, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee for our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we have that seal, but we have this gap. There's a difference between what we possess, what I just talked about, that seal, that promise of the Holy Spirit, and then what we experience. So Ephesians 1, 15 through 25, I think that might actually need to be 15 through 23, because I don't think there is a 25th verse of Ephesians 1. But, you know, roughly. Turn to Ephesians, if you will. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, unless that's, is that on the text? Hold on, let's try this. Hey, hey, look at that. Some of it's there. I'll read the whole thing, though. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of, heart, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called, I'm sorry, to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, <clears throat> far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As Christ followers, we often experience the Holy Spirit through our own restrictions. We want to say, God, you can come into this part of my life, but not all of it. Or we read this and we get confused. We get frustrated because we come to it sometimes. We don't come to it regularly. We don't devote ourselves to study. Or we just haven't had the experience and we need people to help us. And so our experience is not always uh, true to what we possess. We possess the Holy Spirit if we have confessed our sins and believed in Jesus. It's, he's ours. He is ours and in our hearts. But Paul here is praying for the Ephesians. Uh, look at verses 16 through 18 up here. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, praying for them, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul knows that we need that because sometimes we struggle. Our reality is that we don't always experience Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit specifically, in the way that we should. And so Paul says, we need to ask for wisdom. I'm going to ask for wisdom, for your wisdom, that you would know God, that your eyes would be opened, uh, that you would have revelation, that your eyes and hearts would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope that he's called you to. So that's part of it, is that we need to ask. We need to say, God, I don't understand. Help me understand. I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm weak. Make me strong. Make uh, yourself perfect in my weakness. Let your strength be perfect in my weakness. This is what we need to ask for. This is how we overcome the gap. Um, I'm missing some slides. I think I must have given you the wrong. It's not, it's not your fault, Judy. I gave you the wrong slideshow. So forget you even saw that Advent slide. It doesn't exist yet. We'll get there in a second. This is what uh, Brooks did this morning, only in reverse. He lost his notes. I lost my slides. It's fine. Imagine, imagine that there's a slide now that goes back to that uh, creation, fall, redemption context. You can remember that, right? Creation, fall, redemption. Okay, but there's another word in there that we need to talk about, which is restoration. This is the period that we're in right now. I told you that God sent his Holy Spirit because he wants to have the same relationship with us now that we had in the Garden of Eden. He wants to have that for eternity with us. And he's not waiting until Christ comes back to start that. He's starting it now. So this is the period of restoration. And like Bo talked about, these lights, some of them not lit and some of them lit, remind us that we're almost there, but we're not yet there that the, the whole light has not come, that Jesus himself has not returned for the second time to call us all to himself. So this is a period of restoration and of sanctification. And we overcome the gap, right, by constantly, constantly, constantly submitting to Jesus. Constantly saying, Father, your will be done, not mine. Just like he did. Just like he came and said, I'm going to submit myself to the Father and I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit's power. We do the exact same thing. Over and over again, day by day, we have to do this. We have to say, um, 
God, give us the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of you so that we can do what you're calling us to do. Because what he wants to bring us to is consummation. And if I had that amazing last slide up here, right, it would include uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and then also consummation. Consummation because he is going to make all things new. That's where he's pointing us toward. That's what he wants us to get to. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts if we're submitting to him. He is restoring us so that when Jesus Christ returns, we can have full, complete relationship with him for eternity. Um, Most of you have uh, a last page of the Bible. The last page of the biblical text, because some of you have study notes. But if you look at the last page of Revelation... Um, Revelation chapter 22, verses, uh, just verse 17. Revelation twenty-two seventeen says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit, the Holy Spirit in us and the bride, we're the bride of Christ, the church, say, come. Who are they saying come to? We're saying come to Jesus. We're saying, Jesus, come back. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears, that's you all, say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. This is what Jesus was talking about. He said, I will give you the water of life. And it's free, without price. Just believe. Repent, believe, and you can have eternal life with me. So this is what he wants for us. But we have to be willing to submit. Will you pray with me? God, I praise you for the promise of the Holy Spirit and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you, you came um, and you showed us what we can, we can do on this earth. Lord, you lived a perfect and holy life by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's a demonstration of what a human life can be. If we rely on you, but we have to rely on you, Lord, we have to submit ourselves to you because even though we know it's true that we have your Holy Spirit, our reality is often very different. Lord, help us to trust you when we are in darkness. Lord, when we are in despair. Help us to repent completely, Lord, and to seek forgiveness for our sins, knowing that you love us, knowing that you loved us while we were still sinners and that we don't have to do anything, Lord. It's just out of joy uh, that we would do new things in you, Um, not to earn your favor, Lord, but just to live in right relationship with you because you enable that through your Holy Spirit's power. Please do that for us tonight, I ask. In your name, Jesus. Amen.